I know a lot of people look for these lead generation uh, companies and tools and, you know, buy these, um, pay for these leads. And, and I, and I, I'll be honest, I've tried it and it, it didn't work for me. It's just, I found out that just good old fashioned friendship and being honest and sincere um, is, is the key there. Everybody says there's a inventory shortage. I, I don't know that there's a shortage so much as, it is that it's just turning over. Um, it, um, it, they're just not staying on the market like they used to. So people, people say, well, I, I hear there's, there's no houses. I'm like every day houses come up for sale. But if you're not in position to go look at that house and buy that house, you're probably not going to get the opportunity to buy it. So it, sure. There's not as many long-term um, uh, inventory, but, but there is inventory. This is Solo Agent World, where we celebrate the accomplishments of high-performing single-agent real estate practices. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent, and welcome to Solo Agent World, where we celebrate the accomplishments of top-performing solo real estate agents. Today, we're talking with Gary Walls with Cry Lake Realtors in Arlington, Tennessee. In his first 12 months as a full-time agent, he sold 24 homes worth 7.7 million and earned 217,000 in GCI as a lone whoop solo agent. His average price was 323,000 with 42% buyers and 58% sellers. He's been an agent three years part-time and one year full-time. Welcome to the call, Gary. Thank you. Hey, Mike. Good to see you. Hey, Gary, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. So excited to talk with you today and share your story. So let's go ahead and jump right in. You know, before we talk about what you're doing today, we'd like to go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Sure. Well, uh, I've been a commission sales person practically my entire life, at least the last 30 something years. And uh, I was in uh, advertising sales, worked for a printing company, a couple of different printing companies and uh, worked on commission sales there. And uh, with the advent of the computers, the printing market just kind of uh, slowly evolved and changed over time. And I'm also a licensed uh, building contractor. So I just thought the uh, real estate side excited me about uh, uh, helping with my, my building career as well. But uh, getting too old to build. So um, I always enjoyed being in the homes and looking at different homes and helping people with home purchases. Uh, uh, initially on the building side, now it's kind of transitioned into the uh, sales side. Oh, very good. So you you got your license part-time about four years ago, and you were doing it for three years part-time. During that three years that you were moving along, what kind of uh, uh, time commitment were you giving to the business? What kind of production did you have for the, that part-time phase? So I not wasn't investing near as much time into it as I needed to. Uh, but I was still working in sales at the other company and uh, uh, every year my sales improved, but it still was just not enough to earn a living. And I was kind of scared to jump out and make that full transition. And then COVID hit last year. So when that hit, uh, the printing market basically just went to zero. So I, all of a sudden I had no income there and I, I did have some income in real estate. So I was like, well, if ever there was going to be a time that I would go into it full time, uh, you know, uh, this is it. Let's let's 
let's uh, dive into this and see what happens. So July 1st last year, I, I went in full time and um, and been kicking it ever since. You have. You absolutely have. And I want to come back to that part where we start from July and move forward over this last 12 months because it's pretty exciting. But I know that we probably have some people listening who are part-time themselves or they're just getting started and maybe they're getting started part-time. They're in that position you were in four years ago. So let's talk about that very first year of being a part-time agent. And my question to you is, uh, how many homes did you sell in that first 12 months of being part-time? Do you recall? Uh, maybe four, if I, if I remember correctly. wasn't many. Um, but I think in the first full 12 months, I believe it may have been four. Possibly Very good. three, maybe four. Do you recall what happened like in the next 12 months, in the next 12 months? Did it remain at four? Or were you no, I, up a little bit? So, my my income basically doubled every year in those part time years, uh, so I, so I was selling more, but uh, still wasn't enough to earn a, a, a full time living. So, right. Uh, but uh, you know, and I work for a big brokerage firm, Crylex. You know, one of the largest in the country, uh, privately held real estate companies, and it is by far the the largest in the market that I work in. And we have our own uh, training meetings, and and so I would go take some time and go sit in on these training meetings. And, and the, the lady that was kind of in charge of the curriculum for those meetings, she just, she just told me, said, Gary, you, you, you've got a knack for this, but you're never going to make it part time. You, you've got to, you've got to just make a commitment. So she's the one that kind of pushed me over the fence, but really the COVID was the final, final um, uh, hit, you know, that kind of pushed me there, but, but she gave me some, some insightful information about uh, there's lots of part-timers. If you, if you want to earn a living in this, you can't do it part-time. Sure. Let's stay there in that part-time just for a couple more minutes. The part-time uh, uh, sales was four in the first 12 months. It sounds like it might've gone up to maybe eight in the second and then maybe 12 in the final part-time year. Is that correct? As far yeah, as I'd, say, I'd say probably six in the second year and, and, you know, 10 or 11 in the third. Great. Thank you. And again, I, I'm sure people wanted to get that idea. Let's go back to the, the very first part-time year where you sold the four. What were you doing to make something happen in the, if, just as you were initially getting started? Well, I was reaching out to uh, basically my sphere of influence, just letting people know that I was getting in into real estate, uh, going through somewhat of a career change, not full time, but uh, but I was making a transition and just basically reaching out to friends, family, um, uh, just anybody I'd had contact with, you know, in years past. And when you reached out to them, how were you reaching out and what were you saying to them? Were you calling by phone, email, tech? Some uh, of the closer some of the closer ones were phone calls. Um, some of the ones that I haven't spoken through, you know, to in, in a little bit longer periods of time. I was using email and and Facebook, you know, um, just post, not not only post, but uh, Facebook messaging as well. And what was your message to them? You know, how did you break the ice that you have, you've added this extra piece of uh, living to your uh, 
or livelihood to your living. You know, what, how did you broach this idea that you were now starting to sell homes and that they should contact you if they want to buy or sell? Well, I think everybody knew that because uh, I've been a licensed builder since 2002. However, I just I just dabbled in that built one or two custom homes, you know, every 12, 16, 18 months. I didn't, uh, uh, I just did it kind of somewhat to supplement my income on the sales side when the printing industry started uh, declining. And so everybody knew that I had a a building background and uh, was involved in the housing market in one way or the other. And so basically it was just an extension of that, that uh, I just let them know and said, Hey, I, I still occasionally are going to build a house, you know, here and there, but, uh, but I'm, I'm going to start looking at this from a different angle and going to approach on the sales side. So uh, come, come see me, come talk to me. Let, let's, let's get some business going. How many homes have you built as a builder? Um. Not many. So in 20 years, I've probably built 24, 25 houses. Very good. So, you, But you do know the process well then. Yes. And that probably helps you out when you're talking with people and they're looking at a home, uh, say with a buyer and trying to inspect it, even with a seller to listing, you understand how that home was put together. I do. And and it, it, I bring a, a different uh, perspective, you know, and especially on the buy side, um, because I, I can take clients into a house and they may ask me, what would it take to do this? And, I, you know, I, I can I can answer those questions where a lot of realtors can't. So I've got a little bit different, you know, experience and expertise and that I bring to the market. But I haven't built a house since I went full time. I, I had one under construction last year and I sold it the very first week of July that I went full time. And I've had an opportunity to probably build four to six customs since then. But I just, I haven't had time. I I just, uh, I wanted to put my focus in the the sales side of it. And so I just had to decline those and, and say, look, I'm, I'm trying something different. You know, I I haven't, I haven't relinquished my license. I haven't retired it. It's still active. I'm just not doing anything with it right at the moment. This brings up an interesting question. So, where you're sitting right now, you've gone full-time, and we're going to talk about how that went in, in just a second. But this idea of comparing it to being a builder, uh, uh, it, it sounds like you're moving towards real estate. Is real estate where you you want to stay? Oh, sure. Are you making yeah. more money selling homes as a real estate agent than you were as a builder? Because people don't have perspective on that. Most people don't understand what the, the margins are at working as a builder. Well, absolutely. I, uh, uh, my intention is to to go to the real estate side of it, and that's why I've turned those houses down. So the the issue, the big my biggest issue with um, the home building was on the spec side. You're dealing with a client, and it drags out for six, nine, twelve months before you ever really see the true benefit, you know, of a paycheck. And sure, you can get draws along the way, but it's not the full benefit of a paycheck. Whereas on the sales side of it, you, you're, you know, those things don't drag out quite as long. It's, you know, six, eight, 10, 12 weeks, you know, a little bit longer in the market these days because you're having to spend more time 
trying to find properties, but uh, but they're out there. Everybody says there's a inventory shortage. I, I don't know that there's a shortage so much as it is that it's just turning over. Um, it, um, it they're just not staying on the market like they used to. So people people say, well, I, I hear there's there's no houses. I'm like every day houses come up for sale, but. If you're not in position to go look at that house and buy that house, you're probably not going to get the opportunity to buy it. So, it, sure, there's not as many long-term um, uh, inventory, but but there is inventory. Excellent. I have one more question because I'm a curious fella. Your mm-hmm. margin when you built a home, what kind of net profit percentage would be on that? That can all that work that would take six, nine, twelve months. <laughs> Right. And well, what kind of net margin was coming out the bottom? You tried to work on a 10 to 12 percent. But in honesty, it was hard to achieve that when it was all said and done. If you was at 7 percent, I felt like I was doing pretty good. So I appreciate that. You know, again, most people don't realize that. And, and that's really good information to know. So let's now do this. Let's move forward and let's talk about your first full year in real estate sales. Uh, this last 12 months that we've just gone through, this is nice and fresh for you. Uh, and you have had a great uh, start to your full-time business. They had some motivation because you were coming out of the other side of the business that wasn't working out anymore. And you'd been in for a long time, that printing industry. But let's talk about what, you, what happened there. First of all, I just want to confirm your first 12 months full-time, I understand you sold 12, excuse me, you sold 24 homes in that 12 months. Is that correct? Well, that 24 months includes the, um, I mean, that 24 sales includes probably the last half of my part-time sales as well. So that, that's really from a January of 2020 through current, and I, but I didn't really go full-time until July of, um, of 2020. Okay. And so you've done pretty well. And the question is, what'd you do? What did you do to ramp that up so they could take over and become your full-time income, your full-time job? I basically had more time being in the office and um, coming in every day, treating it like a job, not just didn't treat it like part-time anymore. You know, part-time, I'd show up at a sales meeting here once a week and then, you know, in the afternoons or evenings and sometimes during the day, because I had freedom in my other job as well to, to do things during the day. But uh, I, I didn't have the really uh, I wasn't afforded the time to really reach out to my my sphere and my friends and, and my business associates as often and as much as I should uh, should have or wanted to. So when I went full time, I basically had more time to engage with clients. Um, I come into the office every day, treat it just like a full time job. I, I don't don't work out of the house. Uh, we can work out of the house if, if you so choose. I just choose to come to the office, and it's um, I, I treat it like a business. Let's talk about that. Uh, let's talk about your daily schedule. You said you're treating it like you did your prior job and sounds like time-wise, but you're, you're completely independent. You can do whatever you want. And so that's what some people struggle with. Could you tell us what, how, when you start each day, when you end each day, what you're doing during the day, what's your typical day look like? 
Sure. I, I arrive at the office about 7 a.m. every morning and uh, get me a cup of coffee and kind of uh, do a little soul searching for a few minutes and just, you know, kind of preparing my day, preparing my mind, my heart, my soul, and uh, just figuring out which direction, you know, I'm going to go that day. I may already have appointments set up with uh, uh, inspections, appraisals, you know, um, continuing education, some training classes, you know, just I look at my schedule, see what I've got. I kind of look at the schedule day before and know what I've got coming up. But, uh, you know, I just confirm that uh, I've got everything, you know, time um, time slotted for uh, getting to those appointments. But uh, first thing I do is is I respond to any of the emails that I didn't get to the day before. And so I get those out early and I check some websites. I do some reading online, uh, local newspaper, local business paper, uh, just checking to see what's happening in the marketplace around me, uh, business-wise uh, and real estate-wise, just to uh, see what's happening. And and then usually by ten o'clock, I'm I'm ready to hit the road and you know kind of kind of go where I need to be. And but I, I if if I'm not out of appointments, I'm still at the office. I you know I stay at the office and I work at like a not a nine to five job, but a seven to five job. And I try to be home by five or five thirty. Unless I'm showing properties. If I show properties, you know, I'll work as late as I need to. Uh, if I'm writing offers or checking offers or, or what's going on. But uh, if I don't have much of that going on, I'm, I'm typically at the house about 530. Very nice. So do you have certain times during the day that you like to place your appointments? Uh, I prefer to do them earlier in the morning or after 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Um, if it's meeting with a client that's at, at the job, you know, typically we'll schedule those 5.30 or 6 p.m. just because gives them time to get home from work, get settled. Um, they got kids, you know, kind of get them doing their thing or getting them involved in homework or whatever they've got. But uh, uh, try not to keep it too late because nobody wants a real estate agent sitting at their their kitchen table at 8.30 in the evening. So uh, I, I try to keep it on their schedule as much as possible. For tools, are you using certain tools to keep yourself organized? Uh, you know, I've got a, a calendar on my computer at work, uh, syncs with my phone. Where i got an iPhone just like everybody else and uh, can check my emails while I'm out and about. So it's not something that uh, I have to wait till the next morning. If something's urgent, I'll, I'll take care of it, you know, in, in the car. As we're, as we're motoring around. Let's do this. Let's dive into where your business is coming from. My understanding is in this last year, 100% of your business has come from repeat and referrals. Is that correct? That's, that's, that's true. It repeat referrals and the sphere. So um, that, that's, that's where it's at for me. Let's dive into that. So let's talk about that PCSOI, the past clients and sphere of influence and how you're going out and reaching out to them and making that work. Uh, first question I have for you is, how big is your database of past clients and sphere of influence? So, I mean, if you just looked at the overall count, it, the numbers would look like they were up there, you know, like six, 700 number. But a lot of that is um, uh, spouses or uh, adult 
kids that maybe still live at home, child, you know, college age kids or something like that. So when it gets right down to a, a mailing number, it's probably in a 325, 350 range. Okay, so now you said you got a, a mailing number or a mailing list. So it sounds like one of the ways you're going to reach out is through mail. Uh, before we get there, though, do you, where do you keep all this information? Do you have a CRM, a, a place that you have a yep. database for all these people? Yeah, we have a, a sales CRM uh, through the brokerage. Uh, it's it's a Moxie platform, and um, it it allows me to separate um, people that are considered clients and also other real estate agents. So so I can I can manage that and keep it all separate and and um, manage who's working with me and who's working. Uh, for me, so <laughs> like um, inspectors, you know that, that type of thing. So very good. Let's now talk about how you're reaching out. You mentioned you're reaching out to these past clients and sphere of influence over the course of the year. What specifically are you doing, and how often are you doing it? So when I sell a home, uh, we have a program that we can uh, go into that puts them on a seven year uh, contact point. And so uh, past clients will receive from me six times a year, some type of information. Usually quarterly, it's a newsletter um, or, or maybe, you know, every four months, you know, they receive a newsletter. Uh, the other months they may just receive some type of postcard and some type of holiday greeting, but they're gonna receive at least six, sometimes seven, touches from me through that program as a past client every year for seven years. And on top of that, uh, through our marketing department, and I've done some other things through some other companies as well, but uh, I send a quarterly newsletter and I also send postcards. Um, usually in between those quarterly newsletters, I'll send some type of postcard as well as uh, I have an email newsletter that goes out twice a month. Okay, so let's break this down. So you've got uh, a seven-year campaign that starts off that touches people six times a year, mm -hmm. right? Boom, you initiate. You prepay for that then when you close? You just uh, when I close, it, yes. When I close, I, I pay for that, and it um, just that way. It, it's uh, it's it's thoughtless. Um, um, goes on autopilot, you know. So yeah. It, it goes out automatically. I can go in there and check the, uh, uh, make sure all the information's current, you know, phone numbers changed or, or whatever spouse, you know, God forget bit of a spouse passed, you know, I can go in and update that info or divorce or, you know, whatever. Uh, but I, I have, you know, the right to, you know, or the ability to go in there and make those changes. And the company you're doing that through. Uh, it's it's through our company. Um, it's it's through our marketing department. So great. So uh, it's not an outside company that you've uh, purchased. It's inside. No, no. It's it it, it, uh, it it's straight through the brokerage. Very good. Now you're also sending out a and that, that's by the way that seven year program's all going out by mail. Uh, yeah, and and even after that program, it, it, you know, it, it's when we enroll, it's a seven year commitment. A seven and it's a one time payment. However, you can renew that. Uh, I haven't been in the business seven years, so I haven't had to do that. But uh, 
you can you can continue that enrollment. You just pay a, a re-enrollment fee at the end of the seven years. How much is the uh, enrollment period at the beginning, the first seven years? What, what does it's it cost? 20, it's twenty dollars. Twenty bucks to keep in touch with them over in the next seven years. Sounds like That's a pretty cr- smart move. It is. Very nice. And then um, you, on top of that, you're also doing a quarterly newsletter. Uh, is that going out by mail? That is going out by mail uh, quarterly. And, you know, uh, I do pay for that. That's, you know, that runs typical mailing, including postage. Most times right at close to $400, 370 400 And that includes the service to create it, to put it together, mail it out. That's correct. It sounds like it's about a dollar a piece. That's right. Okay. Very good. And is that happening with an outside service or is that also inside? It's in-house. In-house. Very nice. And how big is that newsletter? Uh, it's just a little four-pager, you know, like um, sometimes 11 by 17. Most times it's 8 and a half, 11, just, you know, folded in half and then letter folded. It's so it's basically a four piece. So if you took a regular piece of paper, folded it in half, you've got four panels. That's correct. Okay, cool. Uh, and then they write that. Is it black and white? Is it color? No, it's color. Okay. And yeah, brand, uh, is it branded to me and, and full color? Great. It's usually got, a, usually got a recipe on it, you know, and then some real estate information tidbits. And then uh, usually one other article, you know, just in general, just. Um, uh, things about life. Do you customize it in any way or is it all put together by the company and it's generic? It's put together get together by the company, but we have about six different templates we can choose from. Um, Very nice. And then uh, you also mentioned that uh, you've got postcards that are, you're sending out between those. So that's more mail. What kind of postcards are you sending out? Uh, just just uh, basically greetings around the holidays, you know, hope you're having a great 4th of July, just uh, typically around the holidays, uh, Easter, Thanksgiving, spring, fall, you know, each season, uh, Christmas time, you know, some, something, something uh, that is related to events that are happening at the time. And is the company putting that together for you or is that something uh, you're doing outside of it? Uh, I've done both. Uh, I've done stuff through some online vendors and the company, company produces some as well. So I've, I've used them both. And how um, often are you doing that? Are you doing that maybe four times a year? The postcard? Probably, yeah, four, about four times a year and then four times on the newsletter. And then I also do, um, just listed and just sold postcards, you know, as well on, on listings and sales. Very nice. Very good. And then uh, the postcard, is it a regular size postcard? You know, the, Usually uh, about a six by nine size. It's a oh, so it's a little jumbo. It's bigger, six by yeah, nine? Exactly. Okay. And uh, it's going out by bulk mail, first class mail? Uh, they, those are typically mailed first class. Okay. And do you know the cost that it's, it, what, how much it's costing you to send that out? Um, no, it's, 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 it's a little bit less than the, the newsletter. It's not much. The only savings, because the postage is the same, the only savings would be, uh, you know, the 
basically the, the size of the piece. However, the newsletter is typically on a, a less expensive type of paper. So that, they're almost a wash when it comes to the price, really. So it's costing around four hundred dollars. Yeah, probably three twenty-five. It is a it, it is a little bit less. So, so it's costing maybe around a buck a piece or so. Just an estimate, if somebody was trying to estimate, and uh, and that's being done by a service. You're not sitting there licking well the old days licking stamps. You're not putting stamps no, on there. No, I'm okay. not. Good. All <laughs> <I'm> right. Not. <laughs> and your again, your list is around three hundred twenty-five to three hundred fifty people. Uh, now you also mentioned you're doing an email newsletter twice a month, right? Did I get that correct? Uh, yes. It, it, it's not only a, um, so I do pay a different service to, to do this for me and they will, uh, they put together all the content. It's, it's real estate related, uh, company out of Austin, Texas. And, and, um, so they, they do, a it's, Basically, twice a month, they'll do a uh, an emailing uh, for me to all, all my sphere that I have email contact you know list for, as well as they'll post that content to my Facebook page as well. So it gives me twice a month. It gives me additional content on Facebook that I don't have to put on there. That's automatically generated into my my page, and it. Uh, when you click on this link, it, it may have four or five different articles related to uh, home purchases or home sales or uh, mortgages or just, you know, some type of content, real estate related. And what what's the name of the company that you're hiring to get that done? I use Outbound Marketing for that. Outbound Marketing. Very good. And... Uh, and you said there's, they're putting together two emails for you, plus posting on social media. How much yes. is that running you each month? Uh, I want to say it's around 175 uh, I believe, is the cost on that. Okay. And your list, that's the same list, so it's basically going out to about three, 400 people? Um, yeah, it probably goes to more than uh, – well, it's probably close to that um, because it, it will go to husband and wife. So – um, it, you know, whereas if I mail one postcard, I'm mailing one per household, but if I've got both of them's contact info, they're both getting an email. So it, it, it's more, it's more than that on, on, uh, email, uh, uh, blast on it. So. Very good. So that, that's the marketing program. Is there anything else you're doing to reach out to your past clients and sphere of influence over the course of a year? No, that's pretty much all the touches I'm making, you know, um, as far as marketing portion goes. Okay. And if of all these items you've mentioned, have you noticed that one of them is doing better at generating business than the rest? You know, I don't, uh, I, I haven't had a, a anybody call and say, hey, I, I saw your postcard. So uh, we were thinking about putting our house up, you know, could you come talk to us? However, I do have people say, Hey, I got your postcard. I, I like that recipe that was in there. Or, um, you know, I, I get some feedback on my Facebook content, you know, it's, but I, I can't, I can't relate that it specifically has sent me business or, or, uh, um, 
a transaction was strictly related to one of those items that I did, but it's just, it's just branding to me. It's just keeping me at the top of my spheres, um, information, you know, and, and top of mind where if they do get into a situation where they're thinking they'll, they'll think of me, or if they know somebody, they may, you know, push my name, you know, to someone else. What's your total annual marketing budget or even a monthly budget? Do you have those numbers figured out? No, you know, they, they, they tell us we should be spending at least 10% of our, our gross, but, uh, and it's, it's probably as close to that, but, uh, I, I, I haven't ever sat down and just added it up and see what I spend. I'm not, I'm not sure I want to know. So. Okay. Very good. Very good. Now, are you, are you doing anything else to reach out? What I mean by that is, are you making phone calls? Are you bringing people to lunch? Or are you doing something that's more individualized that we're I, not hearing about in this market? Yeah, I, I do do that. Uh, you know, I've, I've got, uh, um, I've got a program where I try to, I try to do it at least two or three contacts a day personally through either a text message or a phone, phone call. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that people answer their email as much as they used to because they, they get so much junk email. Anytime they, they go to a website, you know, they're, they're bombarded and all of a sudden they're getting 20 emails a day. So I'm not sure that they look at that as much, but, uh, Text message. I think people still still read text, and uh, you know, I'm, I may just send a text. Say, hey, just thinking about you. I hadn't talked to you in a while. If you get a chance, we need to get together and talk. And if if they respond, then at that point, we we may schedule a lunch and go go uh, go do a lunch. You know, some old high school friends or something that I haven't done done uh, done business with in a while. I think that's important. You said you're making two to three contacts per day. When you say contacts, do you mean like reach out one direction and maybe that something will come back? Or do you actually exactly. have to get yeah, a conversation yeah. I, going I either, back and I forth? either make a phone call, just say, hey, hadn't, hadn't heard from you, or I'll send a text message. Do you try to do that during a certain time of the day? No, it's just if I'm driving down the road in my car in between appointments, you know, I just I make a, a commitment that, you know, I'm going to I'm going to hit these two or three today. And so while I'm in the car, I got a little free moment. You know, I don't specifically time block a time to do that. I do it in, in between while I've got, um, got some time going from one location to another. How um, many lunches uh, going out with your PCSOI? How many lunches do you think you do in a month? A month? I'd say probably average about 10. About 10. So this is yeah. part of your business plan. It You're is. Reaching out and bringing people lunch and uh, meeting yeah. with them and talking to them. Yep. Okay. So that's good. So that's 120 a year lunches. So that's something that's nice. You can write off on your taxes, talk to your yeah. accountant. You write half of it anyway. <laughs> but it is something you can, uh, it is a business activity. You're going out there and meeting them and you're making the relationship. Now, when you're doing that, uh, either in these calls or in the lunch, are you specifically asking for business, asking for referrals, or ask, talking about real estate, or does it come up more just uh, by it? Really, it, it really, they they know I'm in the business, so it, it's not something that I go specifically to them to discuss a real estate um, appointment unless they've reached out to me, uh, like send them a text and they 
get back with me and said, hey, we're thinking about uh, selling our house. And so at that point, I may set up a lunch appointment and go go see kind of what their time frame is, what uh, uh, what what their plan is. But uh, I, I, when I go to lunch, typically, no, it's not just set up for me. I, I don't want it to be the pushy salesperson, but but it inevitably always goes that direction at some point while you're there during that 45 minute to an hour meeting. So uh, they may ask me, Hey, how, how's the real estate going now that you're doing this full time or um, you know, what, what's going on in the marketplace. But so, so it, it leads to that. And, and at that point, then that kind of opens it up where we can discuss uh, what their plans are. If they have any friends or relatives or, uh, I, I sold quite a few houses uh, to my my friends' children who have now become of age to buy houses, and um, so the, the the parents may right at the moment may not be thinking about downsizing, but the kids are moving out and and won't get their first house. So I've sold uh, several houses in the last sixteen months, you know, for to children of, of friends. Very nice. Now, of that list, uh, the 325, let's call it 350, uh, 350 people that you're reaching out to, um, is there a subset in that list that seems to be sending you most of the referrals, or is it just you know spread out evenly among these people? No, I've got, I've got a, some that send me a lot more than others um, that um, I, I, <laughs> you, you often wonder why. But, uh, you know, it may be that one of them's, I, I had one that, that uh, is, is a really good client and he's uh, a couple of years ago decided he wanted to get into the rental market. So he says, Let's see if you can find me some rental properties. So, so we looked around, found him some rental properties. And I, I said, you sure you want to get into this? And he said, yeah. He said, you know, it'd be a good retirement income. So, so he does that and then boy, things run along for a year or two. And he's like, I'm not sure this rental market stuff for me. He says, uh, won't you come talk to me? Let's see what we can do about selling these houses. Sure. So, so we go sell them for him. And then, you know, he's, he's wanting to, you know, downsize. So I actually did some remodeling on his house and we put it on the market and we found him another house. So I, I, I've got, uh, and then he, you know, puts me in contact with, um, you know, his kids or, uh, you know, um, somebody he works with, a couple of people he works with. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's probably, yeah, I could say probably 10 people on my list that I have had multiple transactions based off of those 10. If I could get that out of all of them, you know, I, I'd, <laughs> I'd be somewhere. <laughs> so, so you've got a top 10 referral group right now that's just <laughs> naturally developed. And the question I have for you is, do you do anything special or different for those top 10? Or is um, it just that you're doing what you do with everybody and they're just rising to the top? No, I, you know, I try to, uh, I try to offer a thanks, you know, um, you know, may take their, him and his wife out to dinner, uh, spend some quality time with them, you know, and, and, uh, more so than just going to grabbing a burger at lunch, but uh, you know, I may may get them a, a a nice gift at Christmas time, you know, something like that. But uh, 
yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best to take care of them. So. Very good. Very good. Is there anything else that people should know about your, your program to go out and generate business with your past clients and sphere of influence that we haven't talked about, but you think people should know? No, I, I just, um, you know, I know a lot of people look for these lead generation uh, companies and tools and, you know, buy these, um, pay for these leads. And, and, I, and I, I'll be honest, I've tried it and it, it didn't work for me. It's just I found out that just good old fashioned friendship and being honest and sincere um, is, is the key. It, um, I, I, I honestly try to help the people that I'm, I'm uh, representing in transactions. I'm not just doing it for the transaction for the money. And I tell people, I do this to earn a living, but I also do it because I like it. You know, if, if I didn't like it, I'd be doing something else. And um, so I, I, I want them to be happy in the transaction. I want them to call me back when they're ready to do something. I don't, I don't want to see them in the grocery store or, you know, talk to them on the phone and have to hide from them or, you know, see their number coming up. It's like, uh-oh, what do they want now? You know, I, I, I sincerely <laughs> want to help help them. And, and I and I found that that's where your business is. It's it's through your contacts and referrals from those contacts. Because, um, you know, a lot of people know real estate agents. Do they like them? Maybe not. I, I'm hoping that's why I'm getting the call. Or, you know, they, they may know somebody's fixing to buy a house and they, they say, you know, you need to call Gary. And, and that's what I want them to do. But I, I want that person to understand that even though I, I may not know them personally, if they're a referral, I'm going to take as good care for them, you know, as, as I would one of my friends. So, Very nice. Let me ask you, uh, let's circle back around to something you brought up earlier. You mentioned that the market's fast and that everybody has a different opinion on how to handle that uh, and what to do with it. And that your uh, opinion is that it just means that the inventory is turning over quicker and you got to be in the market to be part of it. Are there any other strategies that you're using to be successful in this fast moving market? Um, just trying to stay on top of what's coming available. Uh, you know, when I get to the office in the morning, uh, that's one of the things I'll, you know, during my research before, you know, I hit the road, I see, you know, what, what's come on. Cause some, some realtors stay up late and enter things in the, in the system. So if I've got a client that's looking for a particular property, you know, we've got these automated searches that sends out these, these, uh, you know, uh, contact, you know, info that, Hey, this just hit the market, you know, may want to take a look at this, but I, I try to look at it myself. If it's something that looks like that my client may be interested in, it looks like a, a, a good candidate. You're going to, you know, you're going to have to get on it quick. So at that point I'll ask them, you know, if they want to, uh, schedule is showing. If they do, you know, that's something that I've got to work in my schedule quickly. You can't schedule it three or four days down the road because it's probably not going to be there three or four days down the road if it's a good property. And if if they're not a little unsure about it, I may drive, just do a drive-by, you know, uh, street or street look and say, I really think this is something we probably need to see. And uh, if it's something, I may, I may also say, we really don't need to see this. <laughs> it uh, it can go both ways, but uh, yeah, I, I do my research in the morning as well. So you, you got to get on it quick. You you can't you can't uh, 
you can't do it once or twice a week going into the MLS and do searches. You, you've got to do it every day. Carrie, have you been in multiple opera situations where you're working with the buyer? Uh, where I've got the buyer? Yes. Uh, you're I working have. with the buyer and there are other yeah. buyers that want the same house. Has that come yes. up for you? Yes, what's, it has. What's the worst that's happened as far as how many buyers there were? And, uh, and you, you, how many, what was the biggest multiple buyer situation you've been in? Uh, probably the most I've been, uh, was probably six, um, six offers on, you know, one property that we were looking at and, um, we didn't get it. And so we go look at the next one and the next one we make an offer. And I think there was four on that one. And we just had the discussion of what, is this the house? If this is the house you want, what are we going to do to make sure we get it? And, uh, you know, nobody's really taking contingencies as much anymore. So we have, to, we try to remove as much of those as we can. We try to, um, we try to put up the strong offer as we can, but, you know, we you don't want to pay stupid money and, and, uh, which I see a lot of going right on right now. People just, people just throwing money at houses way over, uh, what they're, should be selling for. I'm, I'm thankful that we haven't had to do that, but uh, if, if they want it bad enough, if it's a really, really strong house, you may have to pay more than what you really wanted to, but uh, you just try to advise them. And, and, and first thing they ask you is, am I paying too much? And my answer to that is I, I can't look into a crystal ball and tell you what's going to happen uh, six months or 12 months or 16 months down the road, what the house is going to be worth. But I can tell you that historically, real estate's been a strong investment. And, you know, over the last 40 years, uh, you know, it, it's done nothing but appreciate it. You had some down years where they, they may have declined, uh, you know, slightly, but they always come back and then it goes up higher than that. So you just, if you're looking for something for a 12 month uh, living situation, probably shouldn't buy right now in today's market. If you're looking for something that uh, you want to stay in for a period of time, you're probably not going to lose money. Good. So that's how you're advising your buyer. Uh, are you doing anything else to win in those multiple offer situations? For instance, are you reaching out to the listing agent to try to get information? Are you structuring or positioning? Yeah, I don't just take for granted that there's multiple offers on the house. I always call the agent. And, you know, try to glean as much money from, you know, I mean, much information from that call as I can. They're not going to tell you what they've got, you know, uh, what the, what the, <laughs> what's going on, you know, as far as money wise, but at least I know whether they have had multiple offers and I can kind of tell, uh, you know, if our offer is really going to be in the game, you know, if she tells me, yeah, we've got some and we've got a couple of cash ones, you know, then I, if I don't have a cash buyer, I know we're probably not going to get that house. And I just kind of try to forewarn them that we can put in one in. Most of the time they'll end up saying, well, I don't, let's just keep looking. So um, it's, uh, but, I, but I do make a phone call to the other agent. I don't, I don't, I don't just leave anything for, um, for granted as far as a text message. You, you, can, you can get a lot more information talking to somebody on the phone than you can through a text message or an email. Certainly.
Absolutely. Now, have uh, you've listed some homes and you've sold them. Have you been on the listing side and received multiple offers? And if so, how'd you deal with that? Well, I, got, I put two up this past weekend. One of them I got six offers on and, and uh, four of them uh, were, well, let's see, five of them were over list. One of them was just an investor trying to, trying to steal it. Of course, you know, that one didn't get looked at, but, uh, and, and, and the, out of the five that were over list, four of them were the same price. And one was just slightly under. So at that point, then you've got to sit down and explain to them the different financing scenarios and what can happen, you know, whether they're USDA loans or FHA or conventional or uh, none of them were cash buyers. It's kind of a, a starter entry level home, you know, it, it, right at 200,000. So, uh, you know, we showed Saturday, we showed Sunday, uh, late Sunday night or, um, we 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 met and had a had everything laid out and and, and chose one went that direction. So, so in that situation, you chose one of the offers that came in. You didn't counter back to any of the uh, buyers that came down. That was the yeah, they were they were strong offers. There was really no need to. Um, you know they had they had a certain price point of what they were trying to get out of the house, and this far exceeded it. And it um, it's a it you know. It, it, it was a good offer. Sure. Thank you for walking us through that and giving us kind of an insight of what insight to what happened there. Appreciate that. Uh, well, this has been a lot of fun. And so I, I've got a couple more questions for you. We've seen your business. You're getting it started. You're, you're kickstarting this business. You talked about the marketing. There's going to be some people listening to us. And the question they have is, are you profitable? Well, sure. I couldn't be in it if I wasn't. It's, uh, and, and real estate's a profitable business if, if, if you're successful in it. Now, I have, in the four years that I've been here, part-time and full-time, I've seen a lot of agents come through our office that, that, uh, that come in and then like we have weekly sales meetings and you see them at the sales meeting and then three months later, you don't see them at the sales meeting. So you ask the broker, you know, what happened to this person? What happened to that person? Well, or you may see that they went to a different brokerage and then they were at that brokerage short period of time and then they're not there anymore and pretty much out of the business. So everybody thinks it's an easy business. Um, if you think that real estate agents don't do anything and it's an easy business, you're totally missed the mark and totally don't understand the business. So you, you may want to rethink it. And I have, I've had, Friends call me and say, hey, you look like you're doing well in this. I, I was thinking about selling real estate. And can, can we get together and, and and talk? And so I'll schedule a lunch with them and and just throw it out there. What the expenses are getting into it, the MLS fees, the uh, continuing education training, the classes you have to attend, uh, you know, marketing classes, the marketing expenses for your mailings. And and most people have no idea that it, the, the money that it costs to get into it. But yes, there is money to be made in it too if you treat it like a business to treat it right. Have you run your numbers? Do you know what your net margin is as a percentage of the gross? Um, you know, I was only in it six six months last year full time, and so that was really the first year that I had a, uh, our first half a year that I had a, a a full accounting of you know how much money I was making in it, and and honestly, I don't remember 
what those numbers were, but, but, uh, this year I'm going to have a better, better handle on it. You know, I'm, I keep up with my expenses in a uh, program just like everybody else. And so I, I know what I'm spending every month and, and, you know, what I got coming in some months, you know, is better than others. Uh, when it comes to income coming in some months, you know, you got more going out. So it's just, um, it, but to, to, I, I couldn't really put a, put a margin on it. I don't really know. That's fine. Hey, Gary, what drives you? Um, I just, uh, I'm not one to sit around and sit in the lounge chair and, and watch TV all day. I, I enjoy being with people. I enjoy helping people. I enjoy going to the office and, and conversing with other agents. Uh, we got new agents that come in. I, I've tried to uh, take a few of them on some appointments with me and kind of show them how I do things. And and hopefully that's helped, you know, them get their business kickstarted going. But uh, I, I just enjoy people and um, going to work every day. Gary, if you were going to advise a brand new agent who's just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? First thing is is reach out to your 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 sphere. Um, don't don't be afraid to tell them that you're an agent, you're a new agent, but and they're going to know that you're a new agent. But uh, just if, if you're close enough with them, let them understand that that uh, you're not at, with at this alone. You, you're going to you're going to have some people that help you through the office, but also to try to reach out to some family members that may trust you more and get a transaction or two under your belt. And, and you'll feel a lot more comfortable with it once you've done that and to have that, um, that transaction behind you, that first one's that first one's a nightmare and terrifying, but uh, it's, it's a, it's a lot of, a lot of obstacles to maneuver around. But um, once you get it and you've got two or three there, you'll, you'll get the hang of it and you'll understand it better. So. Just, just uh, uh, get get hooked up with someone that'll help you do that. Very good, very good. Well, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? Um, it's a it's a strong market right now. I guess most of this is real estate agents, but uh, don't don't think that uh, there's it's the all gloom and doom that you see on the news. Turn the news off and pick up a newspaper just for content about what's going on in your community. But, uh, but don't listen to all these naysayers, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a good real estate market right now. I'm excited to be a part of it. Well, Gary, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for uh, coming in and chatting with us today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Uh, Thank you, Gary. Well, that's it for now. Thanks for joining us on solo agent world. Keep moving forward. Bye. This has been another episode of Solo Agent World. Enjoyed what you heard? Hit that like button. Plus, remember to subscribe and click that notification icon so you'll be the first to receive all the latest episodes. Love the show? Leave us a five-star rating and write a quick review. If you know a solo agent that we should interview, yourself or someone else, let us know at mastermindagent.com. And if you have a solo agent friend who could benefit, Tell them about the show. Thanks for listening to Solo Agent World. 
keep smiling, and keep moving forward.